0: This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2.
1: Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases.
0: It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast.
1: Our Church Friends. Enjoy! Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast, the only podcast with your church friends. I am Chris. I'm Jurdlich. And today we are joined with our church friend, once again, back on the show, Zachariah. Good to have you here. Thank you. You excited to be back? Very excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everybody listening
1: is excited as well. We had Zachariah on for the prayer and fasting. Going back and editing and re-listening to it, it was so good. So if you're listening to it now and you didn't hear that episode, go back, it's in our history, and listen to our Sermon on the Mount series. The title is, and I know this is going to make it more stressful for you, the title is Pastor Zachariah on Prayer and Fasting. But for this one, I'll just put Zachariah. Very okay.
0: (laughs) So I know Chris sat through that first conversation and then he went back and edited it. So he heard it that much. He ended up as
1: a better Christian because of all that. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> On this episode, we're going to be talking about Easter and the Resurrection weekend. And out the gate, I just want to say this: Peeps are gross, right? The little marshmallow chickens. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of marshmallows, but Peeps are pretty nasty. They're they're nasty, and I don't know how that became a thing, a part of like the whole weekend. Is like this is a snack you give to someone. But do you know yeah. what Peeps
2: are? I think some of those are more culturally conditioned, and so they do not resonate with me culturally.
1: You're not missing out? <laughs> not at all. They're, they're horrible candies, and I think Justine loves them, but they somehow end up in my house, and ugh, they're just gross. So I want to get that out of the way because I think they're awful. But as Christians, as and all of us parents, how should we look at or view what happens on Easter, like the egg hunt and the all that stuff that we do? Easter Bunny is that
2: something that Christians should be participating in? You want to respond uh, based on your cultural understanding? Yeah, I'll
0: respond from my culture. If you can I, then I, come I, in I w- and say maybe what some of yours is.
2: I I, I will. I mean, I, I I have some again reservations about whether or not Christians should celebrate this way uh, because. Again, um, I do not want to impose what I find from my own context as something that we do upon a different context. But to just say that when we celebrate, okay, th- there are, maybe there are two things there. One is, should we celebrate Easter in the first place? And we can flip the question on its side and say, uh, why shouldn't we? So it all boils down to the issue of what in the first place do we mean by Easter? What is the significance of it? What does it stand for? Um, and this will require us like going back to the history of the church uh, and see how the church understood the death, the resurrection. And I will add something, the ascension of Christ. All of these were understood by the early church as, as elements that make up uh, our salvation. Uh, but again, let me go back to my own cultural context and say that Resurrection, resurrection Sunday is a big Sunday. And we, we will leave the celebration for Monday. So in Nigeria, we have what is called Easter Monday. And Easter Monday is a public holiday recognized by, by the state. Uh, and what we do is we do a victory march. There is a victory march around the city uh, as people dance and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And there are also victory rallies that are held. This also uh, includes like a whole day of prayer just to celebrate the resurrection and to call ourselves to what is the implication of the resurrection uh, for us as a church and as a missional community of faith. So that's that's what, um, that's what we do where I come from. I think that's the much I can speak for or speak about for now. And, and then maybe much later I'll come back to some of the, the why of Easter. That's good. So hearing all of that, then I'm
0: thinking, man, victory marches around the city. Just again, when you are talking about the wise and really looking at the resurrection as victory, when we frame it that way, right? That, oh man, Easter, it's happening every year. The resurrection, it's victory to go out and walk in that. There's just, a, just an understanding that comes from taking part in that because it's something that you're doing out. Right? you're physically going out. And if you're raised in that, what that must do to just what your understanding of Easter is Versus Chris, your question is, should we do it? I don't know if we can call it the American way with peeps and Easter bunnies and eggs and everything. And so much of what I would say, like, oh, I can speak from, rather than put it about anybody else churches that I have been a part of here in America, what I've seen is that most of what would happen on the Easter would be, yeah, there's probably a resurrection message. But the activities and like, what are we doing as a church has more to do with eggs and bunnies and, you know, let's go find the eggs and stuff. By that contrast, again, I would say I would much rather go out and march in victory about what Jesus had done, dancing about it, you know, and and bringing that in. I have nothing against eggs and bunnies and everything else. I mean, it's that time of year, as far as, you know, the cycles of nature and everything that it makes sense that that would be around. But I don't need to demonize it. I would just say, why don't we pick up on what's actually there within the Bible and r- run with that.
1: And if there's painting eggs along the way, sure, that's cute. I, I picked up, uh, so when I got the question together, and I guess I have a very unfair advantage because I knew the question I was asking before <laughs> before coming here and recording and while you guys just kind of sat here and got a blindsided question. But for me, I kind of picked up on First Corinthians ten twenty three through 33 where Paul starts off saying, I have the right to do anything you say, but not... Everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And then he goes into like the eating of meat uh, in the marketplace or uh, things, meals that were sacrifices and stuff like that. And some people say they could do it and some people say they can. And at the end of it, he gets down to, if I take part in this meal with thankfulness, Why am I denounced because of something I'm thankful, I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So kind of tying those verses of like everything is permissible, but not all things are beneficial to this, I kind of see it as what you were saying, the why. Why are we doing it? So for... As a parent, if I'm saying, okay, we're going to go hunt eggs, but today isn't just about hunting eggs. It's about what Christ did, and this is a celebration of what we're doing. It's a little game or an activity that we're doing, but the whole point is what Jesus did on this day. Same thing with Christmas, right? Like if it's not about the presents, we're teaching about the birth of Christ. So if I get locked into that and I tell them that, then, then it's just a game or an activity we're playing. But that's not the focal point of the day. And I think you had talked about it on Wednesday night with the snake. Oh, they the bronze serpent? L- the bronze serpent. And mm-hmm. that became a thing of where they actually worshipped the bronze serpent instead of God. So then Hezekiah had to come and like knock that thing down, right? He had to take out what they were idolizing. So if we then turn to idolizing it, uh, Easter, then we need to bring it down and get it back to the why. That's kind of how uh, how I took a look at it. I, I don't. For me, some of the we call Easter in our family second Christmas. My parents are bringing gifts. They're, we're having a good time hanging out together. Some of my fondest memories are Easter with my family, where the adults are doing the egg hunt, and my brother trips and falls, and all his eggs fly everywhere. And I go and steal like half of them, and he gets mad at me. So uh, I guess from that perspective, that's how I
2: looked at it. And uh, I I appreciate that perspective, and also to add that. Whether it's somebody from a different culture or even people within the same culture, I am careful about forbidding a practice that is not necessarily seen simply because I don't have a biblical backing for it. I and mean, there are so many things we do that are not biblical, but they are not seen. Uh, and I mean, I think the, the caution is just to to guard against this idolizing of of a practice and missing out on the on I mean on the core of Easter itself.
0: Yeah, I would think that with that, and as you were saying that, whether it's from your own culture or a different culture, I would hope that if anybody came to any group of Christians who were celebrating Resurrection Sunday, that they would understand why it is that we're coming together and what this day is about you know what i mean if you go into a church on easter sunday and you go through that whole service or that whole gathering or whatever that looks like and you leave without knowing who christ is and what's happened then what did we just do as a church you know what i mean like yeah if we have activities that do fun stuff like you said it's not sin and you let let kids have fun and then you said get the parents involved in the fun because what do kids want more than for their parents to like take part in something with them right But that everybody leaves that place knowing, like, we have a good God, we have a Messiah, and look at what He's done for us. And I would hope that from an outside perspective of an observer, right, invite somebody to a church, like, what are they walking away with? Or invite somebody over to your house after on an Easter Sunday. You're like, cool, we're gonna have people come over. Does Jesus get
1: mentioned, or is it all eggs and bunnies and peeps and stuff? Yeah, as long as it doesn't trump the main thing, right? If you look at if you Google search like what's one of the most popular attended days. Uh, church days that people go to it's christmas easter and mother's day these are like the top three so if it's an opportunity where people are coming to church then we should really look at it as like like you were saying murdoch like an opportunity to make sure that christ is centered activities can be there for fun and i liked how you put that zachariah that uh, we, we do a lot of things that aren't necessarily sin but you know they're they're there so We play baseball, we play sports, we do things and that's not necessarily biblical, but we do things for fun. But if they're not the focal point, if the weight isn't being put on them as the most important thing, then yeah, I think keeping Jesus centered and what happened that day, because that day is, it's, that March is so cool. And I don't even know if I'm going to just say, hey, we're going on an Easter walk around the city now for our family to make it a tradition because it's the victory March. And that's such a cool thing to have there to remember that. This was a day of victory and triumph.
2: The, the more I think about Easter as a whole, I, I like to situate conversations about Easter within the larger picture of the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's St. Thomas Aquinas, Irenaeus, Athanasius, um, and many of those people, they're always tied the the crucifixion, the resurrection, and ascension of Christ with the incarnation. So much so that they will argue that the incarnation was necessary because of the mission of Christ. Um, Aquinas, whom I have a special affection for, uh, will, will, will argue and say that, that, that the, the incarnation was fitting for God to become a human being for the purpose of humanity's redemption. And and so, when I think about Easter as a whole, I think about it in terms of, well, for him to die, he came first. But his coming would be of no use if it was just to come. He came, but destroying, destroying the works of Satan includes this aspect of his dying, of his resurrection and of his ascension. Now, when, when, when as a church we focus our attention, our energies, and our planning and programming around other things, the void of the centrality of the life of Christ and the mission of Christ, the void of the fact that the cross was very central in the mission of Christ. So what, what do we celebrate at Easter if we're not celebrating the cross? But we celebrate the cross not from the point of defeat. We celebrate the cross from the point of victory. Yes, we have Good Friday and not Bad Friday, even though on that Friday, the Son of God, who became a human being, was killed. But it was his killing that was a basis for our own redemption. But again, if he had died, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, if you had died and not, not risen from the dead, Paul will say, we who believe in him will have been of all men most miserable. So that our hope in Christ is not just in this life, but in the life to come. And the only reason we have hope in the life to come is because the Jesus who said in, in, in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life actually demonstrated this when God raised him from the dead. So, so there, there is the incarnation, which is central to, to Easter. There is the crucifixion, which is central. But there is the, the, uh, the resurrection. And there is also the ascension, very central to humanity's redemption. Now maybe much later I'll be adding a few things about what all of these people have said over the years concerning why the incarnation presents like a focal point towards what is to come in terms, of, uh, in terms of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and humanity's redemption. But we can celebrate. I mean, it's like Christmas. I, I don't know how many people have had birthdays for their children, and it's more like the parents did it from, for themselves than, than for the children they're celebrating. If a parent buys new clothes for themselves on their children's birthday and they are the ones who are enjoying, especially first year birthday of a child, how much does the child really need? So there's so much celebration. The child doesn't even know who this is for, but the parents are dressing in new clothes and they are having a very good day with their friends and so on and so forth. But that celebration is supposed to be for the child. But the parent, somehow, either consciously or unconsciously have made it about themselves than about the child whose birthday they celebrated. And sometimes Easter tends to look like that. We celebrate the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ, but Christ is not at the center of it. Rather, other things and other people and other issues have crept into it, and they have now become central. To the point that, uh, like like you were saying, people come to church and celebrate Easter and not even know what did we just celebrate, and 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 I I, I am thinking that for me, I, I love I love the messages about a cross, and so when I came to this church and found that we have a cross right up there, I said, this is it, this is it for me. Now, let me tell you, uh, I, I know that this is not the church podcast, but let me just say this without mentioning the name of our church. Okay. There are times that I have felt like we need to have a light, like from up that beams.
0: A light from heaven.
2: Yeah. It means trade on the cross. That'd be nice. That anybody who comes into it just knows that this is central to who we are and what we believe.
1: When you're talking, I have a quote right here from NT Wright that it kind of fits in exactly to what you're saying. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. It all ties into the idea of if, if, if Jesus, the resurrection, isn't celebrated for what it is, then we, as the people here who are doing the celebrating, we're not. We're not bringing heaven here. We're just being people of the world here, and we're just doing it like the world does it. And what he's called us to do is be to bring earth down to heaven. And we talked about it so much with the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, did I flip that around? Yeah. Okay, what did I say? You said bring earth down to heaven? Bring heaven down to earth. Yeah, that might, I think that'll work better. I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. <laughs> flip it around. Bring heaven down to earth. And that way, uh, we talked about it so much on the Sermon on the Mount that that's what we're here to do is to make sure that they see... God in us and and all that and to make the cross the focal point of what that day is and not so much the activities and the adventures of it all. I'm going to, try and go backwards in time through this
0: conversation to some of the stuff that you're saying. First off, I have to say, man, you're talking about that special affection with Aquinas. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. For clarification for anybody on the podcast, that's not one of Pastor Zachariah's friends from Nigeria. You can't find him on Facebook. (laughs) All of those names that he listed off, those were the church fathers. Like We can go in and study them, their writings. Man, there's a ton of writings, but again, we're going back towards the sources of our faith, and learning from them is so important. I know that
1: as we've talked, you've spent a lot of time there, and I need to spend more time there. There's- I'm so glad you brought that up, because I'm sitting here like, I know what you're talking about, but I had no idea who, I, I'm not even going to try to say the name, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to butcher it, but I was like, mm-hmm, sure, that makes sense. Right, but
0: so yeah, to get back and, and read into them, it's fantastic and what you're bringing up there, but as we're all talking about the purpose of the cross, and you started talking about some of it, Pastor Zachariah, that I think that in a common understanding of Christianity and what happened on Easter, at least within American Christianity, from what I can tell, is that we've come to view it only from one perspective, is that Jesus died on the cross so that my sins can be forgiven, which, praise God, like, yes, that happened on the cross. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, and all I can say is thank you, and I'm not worthy of that, you know? But as I read through the scriptures, you brought up that he came to destroy the works of Satan. And when we look at this victory is that, I think it's Latin, but Christus Victor mm-hmm. is looking at another aspect of what happened on the cross. That It was a victory over the wicked powers and principalities and over the evil and over death in the grave even. And then you can look from another perspective is Jesus when he was going into the Last Supper saying that this this wine, this is my blood that's being spilled to enact the new covenant. And just what a big deal, the new covenant, that his spirit would be poured out. And again, going back to, yeah, it was after the ascension and then waiting and man the disciples waiting there and the spirit came down upon them so that there was so much happening on the cross that while I'll never want to minimize our sins being forgiven because there's no way to the father, I can't come into his presence as a sinful, just <laughs> mess of a me right mm-hmm. so I don't want to ever want to downplay that but I think that when we're looking at the importance if we only ever look at that aspect then the cross in the narrative of Jesus's life in the narrative of the history of Israel in the narrative of all of mankind and who God is towards us it doesn't make as much as much sense as it should you know we can go and say oh the victory was won. My sins have been forgiven. And it's like, yes, but the victory goes so much bigger than that. Again, coming back to the Mm -hmm. victory over death is like, yes, you're forgiven. But look, power over life and death. Our great hope is, hey, we're all going to die. We're going to go into the grave, but there will be a resurrection. And we can trust Jesus because who else has ever been resurrected, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's so much into it that as we're talking about this why, I know that at a point when I was just trying to really read through the Bible and, you know, kind of make sense of it, I was going, what does a man who died 2,000 years ago, what does it have to do with me? I get that it's supposed to be really important within the church, but like, what does his death have anything to do with me? Which comes down to what we're saying, like, what's the why? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that it's so important to have that why, because in learning these things and then in realizing the implications for how I live my life, Chris, as you were saying Man, we're colonizing this earth with the kingdom of heaven. I'm so excited about that, and I'm energized, and I'm empowered to be able to do that. Not just because my sins are forgiven, but because the victories are, you know? it all. A lot of the cliches start to make sense
1: when it all comes together. All right, let's take our break, and then when we come back, I got a quiz for both of you guys about the resurrection weekend. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to
2: you by The Old Rugged Cross. Cling to it cherish it
1: hold on to it the old rugged cross the reason you get to go to heaven all right we are back from the break and it is quiz time Uh, who wants to go first zechariah or murdoch (laughs) (laughs) for those he pointed at me so here we go all right murdoch first question which disciple cut off the ear of the high priest's servant i'm gonna go with peter all right correct Simon helped Jesus carry the cross. What were the names of Simon's sons? Oh, I thought
0: we were alternating back and forth. This is for me still? Yeah, still for you. Oh, this whole quiz is
1: for me. The first half, yeah. The
0: first half. I can't recall the name of his sons. I can tell you that he was Simon the Cyrene, if that's any bonus points that I can tell you where he's from, but not about his family. Nope, that is not a bonus point. (laughs) Okay, no bonus point. All
1: right, here we go. (laughs) Dude,
0: I'm a pastor on staff. You're just going to get me railed for not knowing the Bible as well as I should. (laughs) Or you can
2: actually say, did he have uh, children? (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. Throw the questions back. That's a good pastor move. That is a good pastor move. It's not going to work here. Can you quote for the seven statements Jesus made on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forgive
0: them, for they know not what they've done. Um, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. and uh it's gonna be a slight paraphrase, but, um, Mother, behold your son; son, behold your mother. I'm
1: talking with John. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's four. Uh, would have also taken. I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands I come into my spirit. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I thought it is its finished would have been the obvious, easy one. <laughs> no, I'm I'm to edit this. To go. That's the <laughs> next question. <laughs> How did Judas identify Jesus to the soldiers when they came to arrest him? Kiss on the cheek. And then the last question is this. When Jesus died, there was darkness in the land. How long did it last?
0: I have three options. It's either three hours, six hours, or 12 hours. And probably all those are wrong. Pastor Zachariah is looking at me. Like, he didn't give me any hints. <laughs> I'm going to say three hours.
1: Oh, you're correct. Three hours. So you got four out of five.
0: Cool. Dude, is he going to get that? I see why son's he's on
2: the pastoral stuff. Ask him what? I mean I said see, see why he's on the past. Oh see star. why because he got four out of five. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty I was gonna cool. say
0: that one that I didn't know the sons. Is that gonna be Pastor Zachariah's bonus question in yeah, case we get I'll a tie? You a he bonus can
2: question. Can I didn't mean, even know he has children. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, Zachariah, your questions. What was the Jewish feast that was being celebrated the week Jesus was crucified? Passover. All right. How many pieces of silver did Judas get paid to betray Jesus? Thirty. What was the inscription above the cross?
2: Jesus Nazarenos Rex Eudario, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's a bonus
1: point for saying it that way too. Who was the first person to see Jesus after he was resurrected?
2: That's be the woman. Mary? Yeah. Ah.
1: What animal was Jesus riding when he made his triumphal entry?
2: Uh, a young colt, a donkey.
1: There it is. Five out of five. So Zachariah is more spiritual than you.
2: Oh, those were a very easy one.
1: Yeah, they were. I purposely yeah. gave Pastor Zachariah the easier questions. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I had one question that had
2: five <laughs>
0: questions built into it, but that was good. Yeah. Wait, what, what were the sons? I need to know the answer. What's the sons' Oh, names? Rufus
1: and Alexander. Rufus? Mm-hmm. I didn't know Rufus was a biblical name. Yeah, I believe they're also mentioned in Acts, but that I'm not
0: Actually, trying. I did know Rufus was a biblical name because I tripped out when I saw that that was in there.
1: So there yeah. you go, Rufus. For those listening, you got some... Uh, Some trivia and (laughs) some lessons in there. So, all right, let's get back into it. Go back to what you were saying before we took the break.
0: Yeah, I was just talking about that the cross is just so multifaceted that as we look from different angles that, again, Bible study being so important that the Old Testament isn't just like, oh, no, that was for before times to get in and see how God has dealt with humanity and then dealt with his called out chosen people, the Israelites. And just the promise from the garden that the Messiah is coming, and seeing that through Jesus's, like you said, the incarnation mm-hmm. through his life, through his death, resurrection, and ascension, is that man Jesus was reversing so many or like all of the curses that had befell humanity throughout history, like all the ways that we turned away from God, he was turning us back to God, and all of again just the curses that like there's just so much in there that when we say his victory. And what we have in Christ, again, not to belittle that our sins are forgiven, because that's essential, but and we get the Holy Spirit, right? That mm-hmm. happened on Easter, is that the new covenant was enacted. I mean, again,
2: maybe it's still my fascination with the fathers of the church and thinking on, again, situating it back to, to the incarnation. Uh, irony is for instance, will argue that, that in the incarnation, Jesus was redeeming all the stages of humanity from infancy. Up to every stage of humanity that we can imagine, he was redeeming it. He didn't come as an adult, rather as an infant, redeeming that stage and to every other stage. And Both in Irenaeus and and Aquinas, you find a theme of returning humanity back to its original perfection. Mm -hmm. That what we have lost in the fall, we are now recovering in the incarnation. But again, why the incarnation was so central was because they, they, they looked at it from the perspective of the means. What is the end? the incarnation what is the goal of the incarnation it is so that he can redeem us and this act of redemption of course took place in the cross now when 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 they talk about the cross again from a biblical perspective that is not just one act it was the life of Christ itself that is redeeming so he is redeeming us all of his life is redeeming us. The cross being like the peak of it and the resurrection being like the climax of everything. Yet in all of these, what God is doing is, yes, he is reconciling us back to himself. He is making peace with us because we are incapable of making peace with him. So he is the one who comes down to our level and makes peace with us, even though we are the ones who are in enmity with him. He takes the initiative because we're incapable of taking that initiative. And he is constantly doing the same even up to now. So when I think about like, the centrality of Easter, the centrality of the cross, the centrality of the resurrection and the ascension, I, I am thinking about whether the church remembers how central this has been all through the history of our existence. Now, I, I don't know, I don't remember who said this, but someone said that we, we, we cannot claim to have a historic faith if we neglect 2,000 years of history of the church. And the history of the church, of course, has its roots in the person and the work of Christ. Um, you imagine what the songwriters, the hymn writers, thought about when they wrote songs like Jesus drawing near the cross, there a precious fountain. And then you find a refrain, In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Till my raptured soul shall find help beyond the river. And and we could go on whether it's I will I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I'm just thinking about the many other songs that 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 made the cross central because they recognized the I mean, they recognized the, the centrality of it in terms of the purpose of it in the life of the church. It is, I think, it is in Matthew. Okay, I think it is in Matthew twenty eight verse ten that Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me." Now this is the, the resurrected Jesus. And this is almost like the first command he gave after resurrection. Go and tell, it wasn't an advice. <laughs> go and tell uh, my brothers to go to Galilee, there they will see me. That, that's why, for me, again, um, I, I love the whole idea of how we celebrate Easter in terms of, hey, it is go and tell. Go and tell. Now, his brothers in this case will not just be the disciples, but his brothers in this case will be those who are supposed to be in the fold who are yet to be in. They need to be told about this resurrection that has taken place. Now, one of the things that I hear um, at Easter, we say he's alive. And I think John Stott makes a case for this very, very well. He says that the early church did not say he is alive, but he is risen mm-hmm. because there's a difference between be- him being alive mm-hmm. and him, I mean, uh, rising from the dead. And I think somehow that we need to recover this again, that he is risen, not just that he is alive because in, 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 in rising from the dead, Jesus was showing himself as Lord of both life and death, as one who has dominion over death, as one who is life himself. And, and um, there, is a new, there is an introduction of a new order, so that the distortion of order, or what I would call the disordering of order that took place in Genesis, in Genesis 3, is now being reordered mm-hmm. in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and that for me should fill everyone who has come to faith with a deep sense of anticipation that this life, no matter how good it is, no matter how well we're enjoying it, no matter how blessed we feel we are, this isn't all that there is to this life. And if I am struggling, if I am suffering, if I belong to the outcasts of society, if I belong among those that that feel we are marginalized or ostracized or we're living on the fringes of society, this is not the end. This is not all there is that the resurrection is a basis for our hope. It is not just an escape from from the harsh realities of life where we wish for the resurrection. No, because it is established in history and in the experiences of God's own people we can look forward to the resurrection as the consummation of both our faith and our hope in this resurrected Christ I like that the risen thing because when you said that I kind of
1: thought from my perspective when I say he's alive I do humanize it again right I make him live like okay he's a human he's he's us but the resurrection when he is when he rose from the dead that was power that was triumph up until this moment, I never put that in a perspective of like thinking that way, because I feel like I will do that. I will say he's alive and I bring him back down. But he has risen, elevates Jesus and in, in, in the accomplishment of everything that happened on the cross.
2: And it doesn't take any dying for you to be alive. Yeah. So we're all alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wasn't, uh, wasn't it one of the things that the early church would say? that it was one of the greetings, say, he is he risen, risen. And the response was, he is risen indeed. Yep. That again, going back to the early church, mm-hmm. that that was one of the greetings. They didn't go, he's alive. He sure is. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it was, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I'm sure that, you know, as having Easter, that that was probably something that was said many, many times on Easter Sunday. So I'm saying even today here in America, I think that some of that still lingers through. But to regain it, as you were saying, recovering, I feel mm-hmm. like there's so much about our faith to recover and to reclaim and to relearn the meanings of that, especially Easter, especially the resurrection. Like you said, yeah. the, the purpose of the Incarnation found its purpose in the death, resurrection and ascension. So yeah, if we're going to start with really digging into knowing our faith and reclaiming,
1: I think that this is the area to, to really spend a lot of time. In understanding that the resurrection that that is the, the resurrection is the exclamation mark to the works of jesus's life in the redemption of all of us that is the the Mm -hmm. big old like boom Mm -hmm. this is it this is his work his life everything led up to this and that's what it did and that opened up the door and again we're talking about like things we we kind of say that we need to take back like the term gospel like this is everything we're talking about is the gospel it's good news it's the good news it's Mm -hmm. the victory so you have victory of, of our Savior entering mm-hmm. the world with the angels announcing the good news, the heavenly host, the armies of heaven, saying, here's victory. And then we have victory when he comes out of the, the grave or dies on the cross. That is another shout. It is finished. is isn't a shout of, I'm done. It's a shout of victory. And I've accomplished. Yes. Yeah. And so I believe that, yeah, everything you guys are touching on is this kind of taking back our Christian words, Mm-hmm. and putting meaning back into them putting weight into it because he's alive and there uh, yeah we're probably going to sing some songs that say he's alive on Easter Sunday but it should be the power of the resurrection that he is risen
2: maybe maybe we say he's alive without knowing the implication or maybe we say it without paying too much attention to what does it really mean to say that as against he is risen? But but a good perspective of these will be to ask the question: What was actually happening at the crucifixion? Mm-hmm. Now, because at the crucifixion, what Satan was doing was actually a shaming act. Those who were crucified within the Roman era then were people who were at a lawbreak. Breakers, people who were deemed as insurrectionists. They, these were high profile criminals. And in the crucifixion, what they will do is, um, after a certain period of time, uh, the person will hang on the cross for I don't remember for how long. And it is expected that they will die a slow and painful death. And as passers by pass and see, They know who this is or they ask who this is and there is a shaming that is not limited or restricted to just the person on the cross. I mean, it's like a family thing. So he's bringing shame on on himself by being on that cross, but he's also to bring shame on the family as a whole by this act of crucifixion. So Satan took the cross through a conspiracy with the Roman authorities to shame Christ and to shame all the claims that he has made about himself, the God claims that he has made about himself. But what the cross and the resurrection ended up doing was that God took the object of the shaming of Christ to shame the devil with it instead. And and that's why Paul will talk about about, uh, Jesus making a public spectacle of the devil so the cross actually is is the greatest demonstration of the humiliation of satan it was meant to be for the humiliation of jesus christ and the embarrassment of all who have believed in him and his teachings and his claims to divinity but instead it is satan who gets humiliated and embarrassed and i mean it's the 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 victory march that i talked about actually took place at that time, even with the statement, it is finished, it wasn't a cry of defeat. Rather, as Murdoch was saying, it's, 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 it's a proclamation of accomplishment. The mission for which I have come is finished. It is done to every degree that it needs to be done, every degree of perfection that it needs to be done with. It is finished. And, and I, I, will, I will wish that the church will, will more often than we do celebrate this cross because it is in this cross. Now, when I say the cross, of course, I mean Jesus, because without him on the cross, the cross remains just a Roman symbol of capital punishment. But Jesus redefined the cross when he was hung there. It is, again, something that, that the church needs to go back to the Bible and to the traditions of the church to recapture. What is the significance of this? What does it mean to be a Christian in the light of the resurrection, in the, life, in, in, light, in the light of the crucifixion and the resurrection? What does it really mean? What is the implication of this for how I live today? And it's going to be both at the personal level, but also at the corporate level. What is the mission of the church in the light of all that Jesus Christ did on the cross and the resurrection, of course?
1: When you're talking about the shame, like Satan was shaming Jesus, but Jesus then turned that around to shame him. It was like, I beat you, but then I lost type thing going on, right? I thought of, I remember seeing this UFC fight where, these two fighters were fighting and one fighter hit the other guy and he was knocked out. Like you can see, he got hit and he's like falling, but as he got hit, he threw a fist and hit the other guy. And it, it looked like the the guy who was about to win. The guy was like wobbly and he's on his knees and he just threw one lucky punch on the verge of defeat. Threw a punch and knocked the other guy out cold. So where he was still wobbly they declared him the winner, but the guy who had got the first shot that thought he was winning, going to win the fight, he ended up losing. And, and I, that just is the idea to me of what happened there that day. Like Satan's like, I threw that punch and I'm knocking you out. And Jesus is saying, nope, think again. Here's the final blow mm-hmm. of it all. And, and even the idea of recapturing what the cross is and, and, and what Jesus did was he took that, I like what you said, that, that Roman symbol of execution and torture, and redefined it and what does he do to all of us when he comes into our lives he takes away all our bad he takes away all the garbage all the sin and that's what the cross was right our sin past present and future and he redefines us not as sinner or enemy but as children of god and so it's a beautiful picture and i really think if we start putting some good eyes into it we could see a lot
0: yeah looking at that point of the shame that the enemy tried to put on on jesus and on the father it's in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8. There's a couple of verses there, and Paul's always talking about the mystery, the mystery of the gospel. It says, No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The mystery of the gospel, again, the Satan coming in, like you said, he thought that he had the victory. He took and he took that swing at at Jesus, right? At not knowing. Like God's ways are so far above and beyond. It goes on to say there in 1 Corinthians 2, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Nobody could conceive of what God was doing, not even the enemy, right? He came and tried to shame. And in this mystery that was laid out since before time began, the glory of God, rather than the shame, Uh God's glory was brought out through his son on the cross, Uh redeeming and reclaiming all of mankind back to himself, that we wouldn't be under the dominion of Satan, that we wouldn't be under the dominion of the enemy. Again, going back to reclaiming everything back to Adam, that we would be called sons, and daughters that we Mm -hmm. would be connected in the spirit that we would walk as christ walks which is chris what you were just talking about coming in and really looking at man me and my sin that's shame and that's where i was at and devil would love to just bury me in shame guilt and condemnation until the very end until i meet the same end that he does but christ through his cross comes in and finds me in that spot and is able to go nope what's the shame won't be there anymore. I'm going to work my glory through you. I'm going to work my spirit through you. I'm going to wash you and make you cleanse. And all of this being, as you were saying, Pastor Zachariah, how do we interpret the cross today? You said it'll be that personal? Like, yeah, as a church, as individuals, as, as men and women of Christ, that we can't be living condemned lives. As, as you were saying, Chris, it's not about where we were at, but we're not. It's really interesting that in the scriptures. Once somebody comes to faith, they're never called a sinner anymore. They're always called a saint and that, man, the perspective on that is that I am chosen. I am called apart. I am holy in God's sight, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the cross and I can be the man who he's calling me to be. I can live Christ-like because of the cross. Again, it always just keeps coming back to the cross. I can face up against this enemy who's facing us all, right? Because of the cross, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a spirit of fear. I'm not going to have a spirit of defeat, but I'm going to go out trusting God's victory, trusting his provision, trusting all of it, because I'm no longer an enemy. You know, I'm not on devil's side anymore. Mm -hmm. I've been adopted into the family because of the cross. We are a church together with one spirit, one baptism, one body because of the cross and how we operate together. And as individuals, it's because of the cross and... But it all comes down to what you said and what scripture says is that without the resurrection, then we should be, you know, we're, we're pitiful at that point. But yeah. that we have such a power because of the cross, the resurrection.
1: Yeah, so that, that puts us, I'm pretty sure we could keep this conversation going, but that puts us at our, uh, our time limit. Do you have any last words, Pastor Zachariah, as we uh, wrap this episode up?
2: What a better way to round it up than to actually put scripture where it belongs. In Colossians 2.15, the Apostle Paul says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is what was happening at the crucifixion. Yes, for a while, the devil thought he had won a mighty victory. But you should have seen this coming. (laughs) You should have seen this coming because... It is there in Scripture prophecies have been made about this. And of course, when Jesus talks about it, he talks about it more of a seed dying. But after it dies, it germinates. And he talks about the bountiful harvest that comes out of it, but only because it died in the first place. So in his dying, he is reaping for the father, a harvest of men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation, every race on the face of the earth. He is redeeming them as the end, I mean, the end time harvest. And the end time harvest will be a harvest at any time that anybody lives this world. Uh, that is, if I mean, if I am of faith, then it's not so much about a particular time in history that is forthcoming. It is at a time that maybe I come to faith and God calls me home. So in every generation, God is just bringing in the harvest, again, through the seed. And I don't know, I'm just as I'm talking, I don't know if in Jesus saying that he was actually making a reference to Genesis 3, 15, which talks about the seed of the woman and how the seed, I mean, how the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, the enmity that would be between them. At the cross, what was actually happening was that fulfillment of that prophecy that the cross was the striking of the heel of the seed of the woman by the seed of the serpent. But eventually, the cross again became the seed of the woman crushing the head of the seed of the serpent. So, so there, is, there, is, there is in this seed, the idea of the seed, that there is this dying that is actually the basis for all of our life. And so, I mean, again, uh, the fathers of the church will say that he died our death so we can live his life. And the only reason we are able to do that is because he died our own death. Amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure we could keep this conversation going, but we are at that time frame. So uh, just a final thought as I'm thinking about like how to wrap this all up is as this episode's come out and it's already been past Easter, really put in perspective what the resurrection and what the cross means in your life. And don't look at it from the lens of what the world tells you to look at it. Get into your word and start looking at it through the lens of how God presents it because it is a beautiful and great thing that happened on that day.
0: I was just going to say the perspective that God gives it you were talking about this and it came up in Revelation 5 this is Jesus in his victory coming up that he's the only one that's worthy out of all mm. and everybody's singing a song to him oh, saying Easter. worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain again Easter mm-hmm. And by your blood, you've purchased for God those from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, which is what you were saying, Zechariah. But then like, what's the result? What you're just saying was like, what do we do with that? You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Mm. I feel like really to put it in perspective is like he reclaimed with his, he bought with his blood, but then that we would be a kingdom, a kingdom of priests that are to reign on this earth with him.
1: I like how that sounds. That's a good way to end the show. Let's end it. All right. I am Chris. I'm Myrdlich. Zechariah. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.